Hi there, my name is Carrie Conover and I went from classroom teacher to ed tech leader to CEO in five years. I'm here to share the stories and wisdom of teachers who have successfully transitioned from the classroom to the boardroom. Let me help you let go of the guilt, start building your skills and create your own path to a new career outside of the classroom. Welcome to Classroom to Boardroom. I'm so glad you're here. Today, I could not be more thrilled to have our first guest here at Classroom to Boardroom podcast, Anya Dudek. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Carrie. I'm so excited. I'm excited because we have a lot of history together. We're going to get into some really good, juicy topics today. But I want to tell our audience why I asked you to be the first guest. There's many reasons. First of all, I just adore you as a human being. But we worked for a long time together, and we both went from kind of the classroom setting and then working. We took a little bit different paths after that, but we both worked at eSpark Learning together, and we both worked at Discovery Education together on the customer success teams. And so we have worked together a lot. I've watched you just grow in your personal life, and I'm so happy for you. So I'm glad you're here today. So you can just share your story of going from the classroom to your amazing journey to the boardroom. Absolutely. No, thank you so much for having me. And I'm super excited getting ready for today. I was actually thinking we've almost known each other for 10 years. So it's Oh my gosh, that's nuts. Wow. Well, we're going to talk about this a little later, but I can remember your interview for eSpark Learning like crystal clear. And I think you and I had like an immediate bond. So let's go back. Tell us your general career story. Where did you start and where are you today? Absolutely. So I started my career in the classroom. Uh, Like so many of us, I was a 10th grade writing teacher in Miami, Florida. And I spent two years in the classroom. I got into teaching because I really wanted to help students connect. Myself, I was actually ESL. My first language was Polish, and I was ESL until about fifth grade. So I wanted to become a teacher and work in the classroom to help others overcome the struggle that I faced in the classroom and with my own learning. I really enjoyed my two years as a teacher. I learned a lot about myself and I'm sure a lot of teachers can say this, but my students taught me more about myself than sometimes I think I taught them. Yes. What eventually made me pursue a master's in education policy and management was that I felt that I had a lot of questions about the challenges that my students and myself were experiencing in the classroom. And I felt that I needed to learn more. I felt that I needed to learn more about our education system. I felt that I needed to learn more about the policies that drive our education system and overall wanted to get more educated on this macro level. So I made the difficult decision to leave my students after a few years and get my master's in education policy and management uh, in Boston. And during my time of getting my master's, I think a lot of a lot of teachers and folks can also connect to this. 
left grad school with even more questions than I came in with um, and very little answers. So I decided to actually spend more time at the university and I decided to work for the Center for Education Policy and Management and, and do a lot of education research. What my time taught me doing education policy research was really the power of technology in the classroom. And I was seeing over and over in a lot of the research, technology's ability to impact students and to reach students in areas where perhaps they could not be reached before. So it was a very clear stepping stone for me into my first job in education technology. And uh, in comes that interview with Carrie Conover. (laughs) Well, I have to interrupt you for a second because I wish you could see me right now. I have the biggest smile on my face because just hearing you speak, like you're just so smart and so articulate. And that is what struck me about you in that interview at East Park. I remember you up there speaking. I think you were a little nervous, but you knocked it out of the park at that interview. I mean, (laughs) thank you. So you, you interviewed at East Park and tell us a little bit about that role that you played there. I did. And looking at East Park was strategic in the sense of I knew I could really add value with my time in the classroom. I knew I could add value having spent a few years doing policy research and understanding the landscape that is education. But what I didn't know a ton about was implementing technology at scale, right, in the classroom. As a teacher myself, of course, I had used educational technology, but For me, that was a little bit different than, you know, creating an implementation plan for an entire school district. So the reason I went into ed tech again, and I looked at a startup specifically, eSpark, was because I knew I wanted to impact change on a much larger level. And I saw from the research that education technology was really helping to impact change for students. Now... Um, Coming into a new industry, I thought that a startup in ed tech was a great place for me to get started because working at an ed tech startup, you wear a lot of hats. Yes. So I felt that I got to dive in right away and I got to learn a little bit about everything. Um, I took on a number of roles, as you do at ed tech startups, and I very quickly got to know the industry and I very quickly got to know the role which was a customer success manager. And after eSpark, I went on to work for a much larger ed tech company, Discovery Education, as you mentioned. And looking back on that experience, the way that I could describe my experience at eSpark, an ed tech startup versus Discovery Education, a large ed tech company, if you will, was that eSpark laid the foundation for me to learn about the industry, to really learn about the customer success role within the industry. And then I was able to apply those skills at Discovery Education, where I got to specialize and get really good at a few skills with a certain type of school district and a certain type of district partnership. So There at Discovery Education, I really got to hone in and specialize uh, on those skills. 
Anya, I wish it's funny for those of you listening to this that are enrolled in classroom to boardroom, the course. It's so funny, Anya, and you have not seen this course yet. I'm going to show it to you. So to the audience, Anya really has not seen this. That is almost quite literally what I say about my experience with eSpark and Discovery as well. And it really, I mean, even to this day as an entrepreneur, all of those little hats that I wore at eSpark and the I mean, we were shoulder to shoulder with the engineers building the product and like, we just got to see everything and it just made me so well-rounded. And then it's exactly what I said. When you go to, went to discovery, when you're at a bigger company, your job is more defined. I feel like, would you agree with that? Like, it's very clear what your job is. Whereas at a startup, yes, you have a job and it's pretty clear, but then everybody's kind of chipping in everywhere. Absolutely. Would absolutely agree with that. And again, you get to grow that expertise and get really good at a few things and specialize in them. So talking about specializing, you then transitioned out of the education world kind of altogether. And where did you go after discovery? I did. So that was, you know, I think a lot, Carrie, you and I have have talked a little bit about, you know, that guilt, right, of leaving the classroom. And I'm going to be really honest with you is... I did not fully feel that guilt throughout my education journey because I'd gone from being in the classroom. I then went to work in education policy research to ed tech. Being connected in education throughout, I really felt every single day that I was impacting students and I was thinking about those students that you know I had taught in the classroom. It wasn't until I made that leap from an education technology company to a cloud content management company, and if you would say a larger tech industry, is when I first felt that guilt. Hmm. However, the reason that I decided to make that shift in my own personal development was, first of all, not to get too emotional, but as a writing teacher for 10th graders, our classroom mission statement was to write our future. And I preach that to my students that, you know, for so many years that, you know, we have to write our future and we have to follow our dreams. Now, working for a cloud content management company and working in the cloud industry in general, now I actually work with helping companies with their system of agreement with a company that specializes in the agreement cloud. These are milestones that I never knew that my journey started in the classroom would lead me to. But what it eventually led me to was the fact that I wanted to help companies meet their goals. It is the part that I love being as a customer success manager is helping students, helping school districts meet their goals. And I wanted to do that across a number of different industries with tools that would help them reach their company goals. Um, And that's eventually what got me into full technology. It's interesting because I I always think of you as being a team player. And I always loved that about you. Like I love team players. You worked hard. You were even a person who helped your colleagues meet their goals. So it actually doesn't surprise me to hear you say that. Um, And I'm really glad we addressed this guilt. I know I always say like, I'm super proud of those years I spent in the classroom. And just because I transitioned out and I'm doing something else, it doesn't take away from the time or the students that we impacted while we were there. Absolutely. And I think that one of the things that really helped me along the way was 
working for companies and technology that have very similar minded values and culture to what I believe in. For example, the companies that I've been lucky enough to work for in tech have a huge emphasis on education and give back a lot to education. Also, if if there's any suggestion that I can make to folks that are choosing to switch industries and, you know, perhaps leave their comfort zones is to finding companies to work for that are still very much aligned with your values and Mm. open up opportunities for you to give back with what you're most passionate about. I think this is such an interesting point too, Anya. It doesn't necessarily have to be their product. So I'm thinking of one of my favorite companies. It's a soap company, Pacha. Mm -hmm. I love, they have like amazing soaps and bath bombs and body scrubs, but their mission is obviously self-care, but they have a huge like charity arm of their company where they're donating to like women in Africa. And so I think that too, you can align yourself, not isn't necessarily what the company is selling, but like, what are they doing on the side to help others? That's where you could really align yourself too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that we talked about the guilt part, but let's move on from that because I think that's important. And I want to ask you this question. So if you look back on your career so far, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do you think you have grown or changed the most professionally? Wow. What a great question. Thank you for asking it. You're welcome. (laughs) That's a great one. I think that as teachers, and I still consider myself a teacher at heart, um, we're lifelong learners and possibly a little bit of overachievers. (laughs) I think that where I have changed the most is that I have learned to fail fast. And there's two parts to failing fast. The first is that failing is okay. That failure is a part of growth. And uh, I'm sure that that's, you know, not groundbreaking. I'm sure, you know, many people have heard that before. But the second is really to do it quickly and to be able to pivot quickly from it. So failing fast is a huge part of myself that I have grown into. Hmm. And learning how I learn, right? Because you can't fail fast without knowing yourself and knowing how you learn best. So that, that's, a, that's a large part of the growth that I feel that I have experienced through a number of different industries now working in customer success. Do you think too, like with that fail fast, when you transition and you make these transitions, part of that is knowing, especially in your first couple of months on your job, who to ask questions to and to ask the questions then all because you're new and now that's the time to ask questions. But I think Some people, when they make this transition, they want to be perfect and they don't want to act like they don't know the answer to something, but especially a teacher going into a new industry, asking those questions and finding the right people. Like I always felt like I was a person who was open to people coming to me and asking questions. And I tried to always make them feel comfortable because I think that's so, so important. And I think you touched on something else that's really important there, Carrie. And it's also this comfort level of knowing that you will never be the expert on everything, especially in an industry such as technology that is quite literally changing by the minute. It's impossible. It's actually impossible to be the expert on all parts of your role. So first of all, it's getting comfortable with that. And second of all, it's like you said, learning to know where to go to find those experts that are those content level experts that will have the answers for you. 
and different people are going to serve different purposes. One person that you might is a colleague that might be really good at relationship building and understanding people. Um, Someone else might be, you know, really tech savvy. And when you're stuck on that Excel sheet that you don't know how to do, you know, you can go to them or, you know, so I think that in, in, that's more on the onboarding side of things. But when you get that new job, but like really finding the people that will help you (laughs) when you need it. Yep, absolutely. So let's talk about partner success and customer success. Mm-hmm. The role of customer success, just briefly, if you are a classroom to boardroom student, you know this, but the role of basically partner or customer success, we use those words interchangeably, is the sales team as a co- at a company is, you know, and the marketing team are marketing and selling a product. And then once that tech product has been sold, the job of the partner success team is to basically be the air traffic controller, making sure that the contract that is signed, and in this case, a school district for ed tech, that all the pieces go into place and that they have a successful experience as a customer. So thinking about that role, what's your favorite part, I guess, of working in partner success or customer success? Absolutely. So other than what I already mentioned, which is helping companies meet their goals, my, my second favorite part is really being able to create success plans. Now, I think that the best part about being a customer success manager is that customer success plans, which are mutually agreed upon with your customers, are really a way to backwards plan against a goal. Of course, outline the milestones that you're going to meet against a timeline and then scaffold those goals right throughout so that it's a step-by-step process. Uh, If this sounds familiar to a lot of you, it's basically a pacing guide, right? (laughs) So pacing guide is really, uh, it was something that I so loved Mm. to be a part of and to help create pacing guides and then to help create lesson plans for your classroom. A customer success plan is really that, maybe on steroids, right? If you're working working with a large Fortune 500 company. So that was always what I so enjoyed about being in the classroom is obviously helping my students meet their goals, but then paving a path in order to do that. And the core of customer success is doing the exact same thing. It's helping to garner and to guide your customer through their goals And of course, implementing your product to ensure that their larger goals are met. It's interesting because when I think about customer success too, one of my favorite parts were when things did go wrong Mm -hmm. in a weird way, like not in the moment because (laughs) I'm sure you and I could talk about a lot of times that were a little stressful. Right. But looking back, those are actually some of the memories that stand out to me the most is like we had a big problem or something took us off track of that customer success plan and we problem solved for it. And we almost like 99% of the time, I think we figured it out, which is why we were both good at those jobs. But let's talk about the skills you need as if you're a teacher thinking about this transition. So soft skills versus hard skills. So soft skills are more personality traits or work ethic, things like that. And for our audience, the hard skills are more of like actual systems that you might understand how to use or programs or software, et cetera. So thinking about those soft skills, Anya, what would you say are really good skills to have to work in customer success? Sure. So the first I already kind of touched on, and that's that ability to backwards plan against a goal, if you will, 
So being able to organize and execute a plan against a goal, that would be number one. Number two is relationship building for me. Being able to build rapport across customers and clients and being able to navigate sometimes politically sticky situations or to be able to grow relationships with key stakeholders and being able to navigate getting to the right stakeholders so that decisions are made. Number three, I would say adaptability. So in other words, you know, a lot of times in interviews, there's a lot of Tell me about a time answering those questions. I look at adaptability is actually being able to answer the what if questions, right? So exercising that part of your brain that makes you simulate possible situations and how would you react to certain change? Being able to adapt is, I would even say, although I'm listing it as third, Probably the number one soft skill for me in customer success is constantly being able to adapt to change and being able to pivot in a way that is successful both for the company and, of course, the customer. I love it. I couldn't have said that any better. That was a great answer. So let's talk about those hard skills that you would need to work in customer success. Sure. So again, this is obviously I'm working under the umbrella of technology. So I'll, I'll go with what I know. Yep. So number one, I would say, and I, and I do consider this a hard skill, is being able to calculate value, right? Or ROI, return on investment for a customer. Now, the way that I see this is sometimes it is a magic formula, but sometimes it isn't a magical formula. It's not that easy. But instead, you know, being able to understand what are the important success metrics for your customer Are they mutually agreed upon? And then having the data points to show how your product and partnership is ultimately helping the customer reach those goals. So number one is being able to calculate and formulate, if you will, value and ROI for your customer. Number two for me is, again, knowing your industry and what that means for me, uh, the hard skill of understanding HIPAA, GXP, GDPR. So I primarily work with healthcare life sciences customers. So I need to understand that space for me to be able to successfully implement products and technology within that space. So opening up the books, uh, learning about HIPAA, learning about GXP, learning about GDPR, and generally understanding what regulates the industry that you are working in, and what policies are important to your customers, because they very quickly have to become important to you. Now, Anya, I want to tie this back to like working, because I think these are such great examples that you probably didn't know much about HIPAA or GXP or GDPR when you were back working at eSpark Learning. Of course. Your skills and your ability to learn new things helped you in this new role And if we go, we take a few steps back and we think about our time at eSpark and Discovery, when you're talking about your stakeholders, well, for you right now in your current role, those are companies, right? But back for us, back in ed tech, those were superintendents and principals. And as teachers, I don't want you to get scared off hearing, oh my gosh, all these big concepts. No, like, you know, schools, you understand data, what 
What are the stakeholders? What are school boards? What are superintendents? What are principals looking for? They're looking for student growth, like hands down. And when I say student growth, that can vary between, you know, academic growth, social emotional growth, right? But the stakeholders need to see growth. And so I just wanted to tie it back to education because I don't want any teachers to get scared off. But what Anya did was she learned customer success through the lens of education, which she knew well. And then translated those hard and soft skills into this more broader tech industry, which is just amazing. Absolutely. Well said, Carrie. Okay. So let's talk about any advice you might have for teachers who are looking to make this transition into an education company or into a general company. Yeah, absolutely. The first thing I would say is to think about examples and times of when you were able to implement new projects at scale. And as teachers, that's really what we do best, right? Is we take an idea or a concept and we're able to scale that. That kind of experience is so important when entering an education company and working with school districts that are looking to you to help them implement a product at scale. So number one, again, have ready examples of being able to implement new projects at scale. Number two, and this is advice that I got, and that's really stuck with me, is writing down your responsibilities as a teacher and have someone that works outside of education review that verbiage with a business lens to help you ensure the language used is not necessarily education-specific, but rather can stem across a number of industries. So for example, if you have experience writing pacing guides, perhaps instead of using the verbiage of a pacing guide, you could write on your resume, created successful plans or successful implementation plans and be ready to obviously speak through that. I hope that makes sense, Carrie, for that. Yes, that is such good advice. I do a lot of resume reviews and I am writing that down as you speak because that is phenomenal advice. And then last but not least, I would just say, you know, don't be concerned or scared to step out of your comfort zone to learn a new product. Because at the end of the day, in customer success or working at an education company, your job will not be the product itself, but rather it will be the value that your customers see through the partnership that you build and the successful implementation of that product. And I think that's really important. And you touched on it earlier, Carrie. It's interesting too, because going back to that idea of like solving problems when they came up, when the plan maybe didn't perfectly work, what saved us in those situations our relationships. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Anya, before we go, I could talk to you about this forever, but before we go, you know, you and I have worked together for many years. Do you have a favorite memory of us working together? I'll let you share and then I'm going to share mine. Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, speaking of things going wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no. Now I'm scared because I don't know what it is. This is so good. So basically, you had a large school district that we that you were prepping for a professional development day, and basically, Mother Nature had other plans. A lot, a lot of the specialists and professional development leaders that we had originally coming in 
all got grounded. Like their planes were not taking off. Like people could not even rent a car because there were like tornadoes all over the US. It was absolutely bananas. And you were able to, I don't even know how, like (laughs) basically train, like last minute train and provide these training manuals to everyone who didn't necessarily specialize in this form of professional development and get us all there, reformat the entire day, reslot the sessions. And long story short, the teachers found the professional development super helpful and everybody had an amazing, productive learning experience. But little did they know that it looked completely different than it was supposed to look like. All the wrong people were there, but you know, yes. we made it work in the middle of like the Midwest, literally just, just, I don't know, falling apart. So oh, I, I, remember, I can't remember if it was, it must've been, we had all these tornadoes and I remember like, yeah, yep. we had people flying in from New York, yep. um, Boston, like all yep. over the East coast, the mid, like everywhere everyone oh there was i might have been there some kind of outage or something but basically yeah. like everyone was grounded and you were supposed to be there with me i do remember that and it's so funny because i just interviewed karat doshi our yeah. old boss for uh, one of the classroom to boardroom master classes and he brought up this same story one of these similar stories but no way. oh my yeah, god not this exact one but a same same school district but anyway mm-hmm. so this was a huge deal for our company. And so basically what the only thing they could do was a bunch of people from Chicago jumped in like huge passenger vans and came down. And I remember we had interns that had started like three weeks prior and we were in the hotel lobby and I was just like, okay, here's uh, here's all the documentation. This is what, here's your script. Let's stick to it. Like we stayed up late. Yep. I remember looking at you just being like, thank God Anya's here. Cause I know she knows what she's doing. <laughs> Marriott courtyard, baby. <laughs> oh yeah. The good old Marriott courtyard. But yeah. so I, my, it's funny. That story definitely came to mind because I have a really beautiful picture that we took like a selfie of the group of us. I have the biggest smile on my face. Like, I don't know how we just got through this, but we did. Yeah. But my favorite memory of you, actually, I have a lot of really good memories with you, but when you left eSpark before I did, so you moved over to to Discovery before I did, and Mm -hmm. I had actually interviewed at Discovery, was offered a position, and then decided to stay at eSpark another year. And so a year later, I went back to interview again for a job at the customer success team. And the job that I was stepping into was a big role there as a director. And I remember calling you, I had had my interviews, I had my offer and just being like, Anya, like, I need you to just tell me the truth. Tell me your gut. Is this the right thing? And I kind of pictured of you like almost handing me like a rope and kind of pulling me along over there. Like you just gave me that last nudge of courage to make that leap. Um, and I'm super grateful I did. I learned so much and oh my gosh, have so many wonderful memories and relationships from that. So I'm very grateful for, for you to you for Aww. helping me make that, that leap. Absolutely. We made a lot of leaps together. So yes. it's been yes, a ride. 
You, and I always loved like when I would come downtown at discovery and we were both in the office and we would kind of hunker down in my office and just catch up on life and everything. So here we are. I can't believe we've known each other almost 10 years. That's wild. I'm so grateful for your time and your wisdom. And I know all the teachers listening are grateful for your time and wisdom as well. So thank you so much for being on the podcast. Well, thank you, Carrie. And I'm so glad that you're doing this. This message is just so important. And just thank you for all that you do for teachers and for education in general. Oh, thanks, Sonia. Once again, if you are interested in our podcast, make sure you subscribe so that you get notifications when new podcast episodes are released. To you joining me each week for Classroom to Boardroom, welcome to this new podcast. Until next time, my friends, take care.